everyone. Welcome to the Worship Artistry Podcast. My name, as always, is Jason Houtsma, and with me is the coolest sounding man in the podcast world, South African Daniel Arnellis. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> that's not my real... Uh, no. Yeah, you want me to stick you're with the it. South African accent? That's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, you're, you're doing it wrong. You're <laughs> okay. doing it wrong. Just be yourself, Dan. So, okay, I think I just changed my tone. It was a pedal. I, had to, I was on the wrong pedal, on the pedal board. <laughs> Gosh, wouldn't that be amazing if you could have a pedal that actually made you sound like like put an accent on what you were doing? <laughs> it would have sold huge in the 90s when everybody started singing with British accents. Totally. Like, Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, like, church. That's not the way you talk. That's not that's not real. No. <laughs> well, today, my friend, you actually have some uh, competition oh, gosh. because our guest, our guest is Mr. Peter James of Hillsong keyboard fame. He is uh, Hillsong's main keyboard player. Oh, wow. He is a monster on the keys. If you've learned things on our website, chances are Peter designed them. And he is Australian. So it's going to be the South African accent versus the Australian accent. I don't know accent. if you know this, Jason, but there's a major rivalry between Australia and South Africa. <laughs> I don't mind New Zealanders. I don't mind Brits. <laughs> but Aussies, <laughs> man. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's just well, what's the what's, sport, what's the origin? It's the sport thing. You know, we play rugby, they play rugby. Rugby and cricket, it's like there's massive rivalry. And I guess we, we'd rather lose to other teams than Australia. <laughs> <laughs> who's Who's better? just depends <laughs> which year are we talking about <laughs> did you ever, did you ever play cricket or rugby oh yeah i played rugby i think the you know australian cricket is ridiculously good um and i mean they, they're good at rugby too they they um i guess they you know with all through my my kind of high school and when i was playing sport i guess uh, they were always one-upping us especially in cricket so that's probably where the animosity comes from <laughs> ah yes yeah, the uh, well, and I don't know how it is with the sports world, but in the language world, it's gonna be it's gonna be close. I have to tell you, you know, Apple gave us the option of giving Siri an accent, and so I went through, and there was a South African one, and there was an Australian one, and I have to say, I kind of like the Australian one better. I gotta admit, I've used it myself. Yeah, mate, <laughs> it's glorious, mate. It's a, it's a good thing. And is it is it a Sydney one? Because then you got to pinch. You got to be like Sydney, mate. I'm from Sydney. Sydney. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to ask her. <laughs> I wish you could. Can you just make Siri say things? Well, I don't know. <laughs> that may be beyond my abilities at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Apparently. Well, cool, man. Well, hey, we will. Uh, uh, let me see how to transition from that. Well, you know, honestly, the thing that's beyond my abilities at the moment is to describe everything that Ryan and Peter talk about because they are going to geek out on keyboard stuff, but they're talking everything from gear to just life advice, playing music. Um, the guy the guy knows what he's talking about. So anyway, without further ado, Mr. Peter James and Ryan King. Why don't, uh, why don't you just tell us about yourself, kind of how... Um you know, you got involved with Hillsong and, uh, and, and yeah, just sure. that. Okay. Um, so basically I was born in New Zealand, a little town called Hamilton in New Zealand. Um, went through school. Um, at the end of my schooling, I was kind of like, what should I do? My dad was like keen for me to kind of follow in his footsteps and do like a bachelor of science or whatever. Um, but he actually is a pastor. He's a senior pastor of a church, um, but was staring me down that road 
but I really felt um, called to go to Hillsong Church um, and do their college. So after school, actually worked for two years, saved up enough money to travel overseas, go to Sydney um, and do college. And basically everything has just come out of that. So I did my two years of Bible college, was going to move back to um, Auckland, New Zealand, actually. Um, I had plans. I thought um, this is how life's going to look. I'm going to do my two years of college and I'm going to become a music director in a church in New Zealand. Um, but God had other plans. Um, it's funny because everything was working out to my plan. Um, so far, I'd done my two years. I got offered a music directing position in probably one of the biggest churches in New Zealand at the time. Um, I had an interview. They said, yeah, we want to bring you on. But I felt God say, no, go back to Sydney. Mm. So I left what I thought was the plan, the overall plan, to go back and work in a um, gas station in um, <laughs> Sydney, Australia, doing <laughs> night shifts of all things. Wow. So, but I didn't feel a piece about taking the position. So um, it was a real God thing. I just went back, did night shift work in Sydney while I just volunteered at our youth ministry, which was Powerhouse at the time, um, serving on the weekends. Um, yeah, and I started just helping out in choir, actually, when I first started going to Hillsong. Then they eventually got me onto Keys, um, playing kind of second keys to some of the older guys. Um, and then, yeah, just things just slowly progressed. I still remember them, um, United going, hey, we've got a tour to New Zealand. Do you want to jump on board and do that? So, yeah, I jumped on board, did the first, um, one of the first tours with United. Um, and then, like I said, it was just kind of, little step by little step. So I got asked to do an album, um, did another tour with United and then more albums and more tours to the point where I was a hundred percent employed by Hillsong United and doing basically all the Hillsong United tours. And they were asking me to do the Hillsong live tours as well. As you probably know, there's Hillsong United, Hillsong, <laughs> oh, it's actually called Hillsong worship now. And there's young and free, which wasn't around back then. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it was just a, I guess just a progression of going, okay, I'm just going to be faithful with what I've been given. Um, and from then things just, yeah, little doors here and there to the point where I look back and go, wow, it's crazy what can happen out of just being faithful in your local church. And I did um, a little, um, I had to write up a little blog thing for my website and I realized I've played on almost 45 Hillsong albums now. Wow. Um, toured with United for probably eight to ten years. Um, now things are a little bit different. Um, I'm still playing on all the albums, like the Hillsong Worship albums and the United albums, but I've stepped back um, from the crazy tour schedule, which is kind of nice. My wife likes it a bit more. but She appreciates cool. that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, it was great while I was, while I was doing it, but it's actually allowed me to do a lot of other things. So it's allowed me to do more training in churches uh, all around the world. So I go around to churches and help train the musicians, especially the keyboard players, because partnering a keyboard up with computer and patches is, a, is pretty new to a lot of people. Yeah. So I'm doing a lot of that. I've got a um, little trip to South America planned and we'll be traveling around uh, South America doing that later on in the year. Um, and it's actually given me a lot more time to actually make my patches available. So I'm doing the whole thing with multi-tracks and right. spending a lot of time sampling all the analog gear that I use on albums and making it available for those uh, that want it. So yeah, things have kind of progressed a lot, but I'm loving kind of the, the life I'm in at the moment. And I know there's going to be new stuff in the future, but 
right yeah it's great i'm loving it that's so, awesome yeah. man well it uh uh it, yeah it's it's awesome how the lord just uh navigates his his plan for our lives totally. and uh, when mm -hmm. we're not really looking for something he just kind of throws it in our lap and uh totally. when we have a, an idea of the way that we think it should go he's like nope <laughs> we're gonna go yeah. this we're gonna go this other way so <laughs> it's usually the case of the god <laughs> yeah that's awesome well, uh, you know, you mentioned um, your patches, and I know uh, mm -hmm. you know a, a lot of guys know about uh, your patches with, with um, uh, multi tracks and things like that. And yeah, um, can you talk a little bit about uh, kind of your philosophy behind the way that you create your your sounds and your patches for these um, for these albums? Kind of what's your approach when you do some of this? Yeah, um, so every year is a little bit of a different approach, but my kind of philosophy is I don't want to be producing the same thing that I did last year. So if my sounds are exactly the same as last year, then I feel like I'm not progressing. I'm not pushing myself creatively as I should be. Um, a lot of the times, um, someone like Joel, uh, Houston will give us maybe a CD or even just some reference tracks and go, this is what I'm listening to. Listen to the keyboard parts, listen to what's happening feel wise and let's kind of let that inspire us for the album not that we'll copy it but mm -hmm. just to kind of keep things fresh um something that Ruben Morgan said years and years ago when I was in college is to be creative uh you gotta feed your creativity um so that's kind of a philosophy of kind of bought on 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 board and kind of try to use that whenever I'm um trying to come up with new sounds or new riffs or new ways of doing what we've always done is kind of go, okay, what am I feeding myself with? Mm -hmm. Not just Christian music. Um, obviously that's good, but um, God created music in general. So I feel like we can just yeah. pull from anything. It can be a film score. It could be um, something like M83, Radiohead, anything like that. <laughs> um, and just pulling as much as you can and then making it your own. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my philosophy is try to stay fresh year in, year out, um, yeah, something new um, is kind of what I want to be bringing each year. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and I, I find that in doing that, you definitely have to, like, like you said, in order to be creative, you have to feed that creativity. And so listening to as, as much stuff as you can to, to kind of yeah. soak it in and get all those different uh, soundscapes and colors and just just it, it helps to, to, to feed those creative juices. Definitely. Totally. And it, it also works great bouncing ideas of other musicians too. So um, all the sounds are not obviously 100% me. We're always bouncing ideas off our other keyboard players. And I think great musicians inspire great musicians. So just surrounding yourself with a great bunch of people um, also makes the creative process a lot funner and easier as well. I think. Yeah, I find that with a lot of keyboard players today that they feel like they kind of have to be the lone ranger, mm -hmm. and 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 to to realize that you know we're we're all in this together, and it's it's good totally. to to have uh, to have feedback um, from other people yeah. because uh, uh, it helps give a new perspective and can take and, and can help take what you've created and kind of help go to the next level with it. Great, totally, yep. definitely, yeah. Well, what do you find as far as with your, you know, you, you, you've got your patches, you're sampling your analog stuff. And, and mm -hmm. like you said, this whole uh, keyboard, computer, hardware, soft synth world is, is 
is relatively new for a lot of keyboard players. Um, yeah, I know for like for me, I mean, I've been using soft synths for years. I mean, I've I've had Omnisphere since it first came out. Yeah, um, awesome. but but since it just seems like in just kind of the past couple of years, keyboard players are starting to fall into this and and really use it. And especially, I guess, because um, guys like you are making the stuff available uh, of mm-hmm. what was. Uh, used on the album or potentially used on the album um, and and people are wanting to sound more and more like the albums and that sort of thing um, so do you what do you find yourself kind of leaning towards because I know a lot of guys they there's always this debate of do you do atmosphere do you do main stage do you just be this <laughs> yeah. analog guy and just stick strictly to analog gear so what do you find yeah. for you that uh, that, that you kind of like to do yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I like a combination of everything. Obviously, analog has its strengths and so does digital. Um, to give you an idea of what we do at Hillsong Church, a lot of our albums, yeah, we put a, a lot of layers of analog stuff on. So, for example, the Let There Be Light album, I actually bought an OB6, Dave Smith OB6, specifically to use on the album. Um, but when we're touring, we don't actually take all the analog gear with us. So... Um, guys like myself and Ben Tenney, um, who's doing a lot of stuff with United now, he'll use all the analog stuff on the album. But then when he's touring, um, he doesn't want to tour with a Juno, a Prophet 6, a Moog, Sub 37, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, there's a few reasons. One is like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, one is the reliability of a lot of analog gear, especially the old analog gear. Mm-hmm. It, just, it goes out of tune. It's not always rock solid, um, especially with temperature changes and everything. So what he does is he creates Omnisphere versions of his analog gear for touring. So, yeah, on the album he uses a lot of analog gear, but he does not tour with all the analog gear live. He might have one or two pieces, but mm-hmm. he tries to replicate it all in Omnisphere. Um, I do the same, except I probably go a little bit deeper and I actually sample the exact analog sounds that I'm using um, so that I've got those. And week in, week out at Hillsong Church, sometimes I bring my OB6, um, but a lot of the times I'll just bring my computer, um, my Mogafoga, which is a little, um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to look around, I might actually be here. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> it is <over> there. <laughs> um, This little thing here. Yep. Um, and I use that basically for analog overdrive. So I just get my sound sounding a little bit more analog. Right. Uh, running it through those. So my lead sounds I'll put through that. Um, my Fender Road sounds I'll put through that. Um, and yeah, I actually like the stability of using samples live and maybe one piece analog gear. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's how I like to work. Even my Big Sky, um, I don't actually use it live um, mainly because I've sampled all of my patches through my um, Big Sky and I've got it and I've EQ'd and I've got it sounding really nice. So I feel like I don't need to bring my Big Sky with me when I'm um, performing as well. And the other thing is the Big Sky is essentially a digital pedal, so it's not analog. Um, And there's some great um, digital reverbs out there like Valhalla Vintage Verb. I've got the Lexicon PCM Bundle too, which does really good um, stuff. So I feel like I don't need that live with my sampled versions of it and all the other stuff. So that's my, that's my philosophy. Kind of mix the two. I think you get the best of both worlds. Yeah. I know that, 
I mean, I remember the days of of being surrounded by by keyboards and yeah. and modules and everything. And and now with uh, just this whole advent of having it all in all in the, you know, for lack of better terms, all in the box here. Um, mm-hmm. And and it's and it's sounding pretty great you know i mean yeah. like you said there's it's a, getting pretty close to the original yeah i mean there's a warmth obviously that comes from the analog side of things but totally. um but just the 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 fact that you can just have seamless patch changes and seem you know all totally. of these things that that on the analog side just require so much more to make that happen you totally. know? Yeah. Um, a lot of programming a lot of pre-preparation yeah and more things to go wrong when you've got <laughs> more keyboards. And yeah. Stuff. yeah. Um, but I definitely think I, I know I've had a lot of guys ask me, they're like, should I just go all, uh, all computer soft synth? And I always, t- you know, tell them, you know, have a hardware backup just in case yeah. your computer yeah. dies. You need to, you know, ne- <laughs> you need to have something that you can dial up a good, you know, EP or piano or a pad or something mm-hmm. just in case yeah. that moment where you're, computer decides I'm not going to work for you anymore. Yeah, totally. Uh, uh, when I first started using my computer, there was no way I was going to use it 100% and rely 100% on it. So I'd always have another keyboard with either pads or something just set up, ready to go. Right. Now now I'm at the point where I'm pretty stable with my setup and mm-hmm. I don't do software upgrades without doing massive testing before right. I use it live. Um, but yeah, totally. I still have. I still use a keyboard where, at a split second, I can mute my outputs, change the um, jack put uh, jack inputs, and I'd have right. great pianos and pads at a split second. So, right, definitely, definitely recommend having a backup hardware backup. For sure. What what kind of uh, for for that sort of thing? What kind do you like to to use? Um. Well, I'm basically ninety nine. Well, a hundred percent of all my stuff is inside the box now. But at church, we have. Used to be in uh, Yamaha nine, uh, S90, or right. I think it's a motif now. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the pianos on the Nords. Mm-hmm. Um, the Nords have some great piano sounds, great roads. Mm-hmm. So I guess um, if I had to use just hardware for pianos, it would probably be a Nord. Yeah, I love I love those keyboards for just the raw piano sounds. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got they've got good stuff there. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, you you had mentioned that. Um, you know, there at Hillsong Church, you're you're obviously one of the keyboard players that's there. Totally. And mm-hmm. uh, on your services on Sundays or just the weekend services or wh- whenever, do you uh, do you have multiple keyboard players playing in the service? Do you have a, there's a, is there a secondary keyboard player that's also playing with you? Yeah, pretty much for all of our main services, especially the ones that we're um, like our big campuses, um, we've got two keyboarders. So usually one player will focus mainly on pianos mm-hmm. and roads and the other player will do pads, leads and they'll run the tracks as well and obviously there's lots of keyboard layers on the tracks so that's kind of basically how we run it. Okay, yeah, that's uh, I've seen that question a lot just in Facebook groups and things like that where uh, a lot of churches, they might have two keyboard players and, and they're trying to, especially in this in this whole new um, the new ad- advent of having soft sense and patches and they're trying to figure mm-hmm. out, okay, what should this keyboard player, what should the main keyboardist do and what should the secondary kind of aux keyboard player do and play? Mm-hmm. And so how do, how do you kind of navigate that? 
Um, there's obviously no set and hard rules to that, but I know the way that we like to do it is, like I said, have one person basically doing all the piano stuff and roads, so it's the main kind of riff piano stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason why we try to keep it to one keyboard player is for the front of house guy. Um, if he's constantly trying to chase the piano, yep. um, <clears throat> it's going to make it really difficult for them. So we try to stick to basically pianos, roads on one keyboard, then the other person is doing your pads and making sure transitions are smooth between songs and they're firing the tracks as well. Then um, that we find we find that works for us. Mm-hmm. It might not work for everyone, um, but that's how it works for us. And each keyboardist only gives stereo out. So I've mm-hmm. had a lot of questions recently going, oh, do you have a multi-output <laughs> interface? Do you send pianos down one pair, um, <laughs> pads down another pair? I think that would be a nightmare for the front of house guy, but yeah. each to their own. I think just the basic stereo out, as long as you're good at uh, volume yeah. matching all your stuff and yeah. having relatively um, like similar EQs, so not having right. one sound that's crazy bass and another one that's got no bottom end and all tops. Um, but if you've got that sorted, then I think, um, yep, left and right from each keyboard player. Don't keep swapping pianos from one keyboard player to the other, um, just make it easier for the, for the front of house guy. Is that a, uh, is that a stereo out for you? Is that a yeah. dual mono kind of thing? Um, yeah, it's stereo. Um, okay. I guess that's the same kind of thing. Sometimes we have a stereo DI or two mono DIs, but they obviously pan them left and right. Right, okay, yeah, because so, yeah. I know some guys will do uh, like uh, basically two sounds out of the same deal, so it's, it's just a mono okay. feed versus it being just one collective deal through you know stereo yeah. so, so it's just one sound left gotcha. and right yeah gotcha totally i saw a uh a thing the other day where somebody was saying that they were they're a keyboard player and they were going to they wanted to figure out how to do a long network cable or something and put their have the front of house guy run their main stage setup so that Ooh, he, could, he could have all the outputs. I'm like, no, take a no. less is best. Yeah. <laughs> you know? If I was that guy, I would get the front of house guy just to set up his laptop, maybe EQ a few things, volume match it, mm-hmm. and then give him back the control because that's, yeah. that's a bit crazy. Um, and just so you know, our, our track outputs, we do have a bunch of stems on our outputs for our tracks. So the tracks are a lot more. Um, I guess, customizable and mixable. So I'll quickly run through that. We have um, obviously click and cue just for the band. Um, and then tracks, we have um, a mono bass that we give front of house so they can mix the bass um, in separately, which is usually all the synth bass stuff. Right. So that's a mono. Um, we have percussion tracks uh, um, separate as well. And then we have everything else basically um, stereo out. So we do have a few different options. We may have another stereo pair, I can't remember, um, but from memory it's at least uh, tracks left and right, mono bass and percussion all separate. So Mm. yeah, the front of house guy has got a little bit more control over the tracks because they're pretty prominent in the mix, especially for like young and free stuff. Right. Now on a lot of that, because you know, when when you're creating these albums, I mean, Especially if you go look at multi tracks and see the stuff that you guys have done, you can. Yeah. There, there's so many text, so many amount of textures and layers of not only keys but as well as electric guitars. Mm-hmm. So, are you guys also playing with some of that as well, where you're not covering every single keyboard part, you know, that's on yeah. the on on the particular song? So, are you allowing tracks to cover that, or 
or what? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. We we keep obviously we don't have drums. We don't have um, anything that's on stage. We don't have. We right. do have additional keyboard layers though. Mm. Um, because there's no way we can cover the full range of keyboard layers right. on that. So we'll have, um, we'll mute the pianos, obviously. We can play all the pianos live. We'll keep most of the leads and pads in the track. Um, we might have some synth bass, depending on whether the bass player is going to want to play the synth bass or not. Right. Um, um, but yeah, it is pretty full, full track mix um, there, just to make it sound obviously full. Um, and especially for a lot of people ask me questions like, oh, how do you sync all your side-chained kind of pads and all your arps and everything live? And the basic thing is most of that's on tracks just to make it solid. Right. Um, they're like, oh, do you send um, MIDI clock and sync it up like that? We don't. We actually use most of it on the tracks because it's going to be obviously perfectly in time. Right. Um, I, I still do try to use some arps and some side-chain stuff live and praise songs mm -hmm. um but you have to have pretty good timing so i'll play the first chord and then i'll manipulate the bpm in main stage till it feels exactly in time right as long as i keep it legato then i don't have to re-trigger it right that's kind of my little trick but it's definitely not the perfect solution yeah. um it's a lot safer if you can just leave those apps on the track um so we know they're going to be perfectly in time so yeah i know when i'm when i'm teaching a, a lot of uh especially a lot of the Hillsong stuff with worship artistry because of mm -hmm. all the ARPs. I always tell people, I'm like, if you're not playing to a click track, don't worry about trying to do the ARPs because no it, way. It, it's, gonna be, it, it's a nightmare. You'll, <laughs> it'll be a massive train wreck. So, yeah. um, agree. And, and even still trying to, uh, combine if you're doing side chain stuff and ARPs and whatever, it can be mm -hmm. challenging. And so you definitely totally. have to have really good timing and, uh, and and know your gear definitely of, yeah. of how of how it works. So yeah, and also the CPU load that that would yeah add if you're trying to do apps, side chains, pads, everything all at once. It's gotta yeah take its toll on the computer. So yeah, yeah that's that's why we run a lot of stuff on of those kind of patches on our um, tracks for sure. That's awesome. Well, I know that you uh, you were one of the. Um, uh, kind of preview guys for for Keyscape, and mm -hmm. uh, I've had a lot of a, a lot of guys are trying to figure out the whole piano world as far as synth is concerned, you know. And yeah, and uh, and I know that for a while you were a pretty heavy user of the Giant and yeah. and things mm -hmm. like that. So um, uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Both the maybe a little bit your experience with Keyscape, how that how that kind of came about, your thoughts on it, yeah. Um, sure, sure. So um, I got contacted by um, Eric years ago um, when it came to Omnisphere. So they got me on the beta uh, testing team for Omnisphere 2. They asked me to design factory presets for Omnisphere 2, so I was pumped that they got me on board for that. Um, and then it just kind of followed through into Keyscape, and they're like, oh, we've got a new product. Do you want to beta test it? So I started beta testing it. Um, I love it. Like Keyscape is amazing. I love the fact that you can take pianos and roads into Omnisphere and manipulate them just as you would any sound in Omnisphere. So there's not really any software that I know with that controllability um, of all your sound sources. Mm -hmm. um, I'm actually still using the Giant Live. Um, I haven't switched over to Keyscape quite yet. Um, and I think they have their strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Most of the... Um, 
pianos that you're hearing on all the live albums from Hillsong are actually the Giants. So it makes sense to use the sound that we've been using on the albums for now. Right. Um, we've also done a lot of overdubs with real pianos. So you'll hear probably three years ago it was mainly the Giant. Now it's kind of a mixture of the Giant and overdubbed real piano. Mm-hmm. Um, so let, let there be light. Probably 70% of that was real piano and 30% maybe was the Giant. Mm. Um, so I don't actually have Keyscape loaded onto my laptop, mainly because I run out of space because it's such <laughs> a big library. Um, I do have it on my home computer and I muck around with it there. But for live use, I'm still using the Giant. That will probably change. I've gone through so many different pianos over the years um, from mm-hmm. different companies. I first started with Ivory, um, yep. Ivory Grand Pianos. That was the very first piece of software I ever bought um, to use live in church. Um, so I've gone from that to <clears throat> I don't know how many different ones. But <laughs> I kind of like the Giant because it kind of comes almost um, – it sounds like the sample's a little bit compressed out of the box. They're kind of EQ'd as if um, your mix mastering engineers got hold of the samples and made it really pristine. Right. I like the Giant because it's got a lot of big bottom end because it's a um, really long soundboard, but it's right. still got a kind of like a, um uprighty sound in the top. Um, yep. So I can guarantee you we're not going to be using that forever, mm-hmm. but for now it's working. Um, yeah. But like I said, I, I love the Keyscape stuff as well. It does things that the Giant can't do. Right, yeah. Um, but that's kind of where it's at. And I'm always changing sounds, so who yeah. knows, next year it might be more Keyscape and less right. of the conventional, the Giant that we've been using. So, yeah, yeah in, in a lot of the conversations that I've had with people just through Facebook when they're talking about a lot of this, um, I always tell them it kind of, it, it just depends on the sound that you're going for because totally. all... And it's all, all personal preference. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, um, you know, when they say, should I do the Giant or Alicia's Keys or Ivory or whatever, I say it, like you said, it's personal preference and each one has its own character to it. Exactly. It's, it, it's yeah. not that one's bad and one's good. They're just, totally. they're just different. And uh, you might just get to the stage where you're bored of one piano sound and you want a different piano yeah. sound just to inspire creativity. Yeah, I've done that a lot where I'll just go, oh, I'm kind of sick of this piano, let's try a different one. And then it inspires something new yeah. because of the sound and the feel right. of that new piano. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I find that I use Keyscape a lot now just because of the fact that it runs through Omnisphere. And, and usually mm-hmm. when, I'm, when I'm playing live, I'm using Omnisphere's live mode and using the you know, the, the iPad and everything. So, um, just the fact that it's just there and I'm not having to deal with multiple tracks within, uh, within main stage or, or mm. whatever. But there are times, like you said, where I just want to change and I'll just dial up the giant just because it has that unique character to it, which is totally, which is, yeah. which is great. So, Sweet. well, what would, um, you know, and again, you know, we, we've got these, these keyboard players that are, um, they're, they're trying to just navigate this, this world. It's it, uh, of, mm-hmm. of, of worship keyboard playing, you know, it's not, uh, j- the, the whole scape of playing for the church has changed so much yes, in the years. Totally. Uh, mm-hmm. it's not just sitting down at an acoustic piano and playing anymore. It's not just dialing mm-hmm. up a, a piano sound and just playing rhythm piano. You know, it's, um, 
there's a totally. there's a lot more involved in it, both from a, a sound perspective, gear, patches, technique, um, what to play, what not to play, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, what you know, what would be kind of your encouragement to keyboard players that are kind of entering this world and just trying to navigate this and figure it all out? Yeah, um, I guess the first thing that comes to mind is just take it slow. Um, there's nothing more that's going to throw you off than just going, okay, I need to buy a Mac, main stage, this piece of software, that piece of software, and just jumping into the deep end. Um, if you do want to get into the te- big technology side of things where you're going to use a computer, main stage, etc., um, do what I did. I started off with a Mac. There wasn't actually main stage around when I first started using <laughs> Church. I think it was Logic. Eight, so I had challenges trying to figure out how do I change patches and logic and stuff. <laughs> um, but that was years and years ago. Um, so I'd say, and back then I only bought one piece of software. And I was, I was like, okay, I'm going to use all my pads from my existing keyboard. The only sound I'm going to use is a piano from my laptop. And I did that for ages. Mm. Then I bought a second piece of software, and that was Scarby Rhodes. And I started using pianos and Rhodes from my computer and relying on my keyboard to cover all my pads and everything mm-hmm. um so the i think the worst thing you can do is go like i said just go out and buy everything and then just go what am i doing because <laughs> it need you need you need time to learn every piece of software that you buy yeah whether it's main stage whether it's omnisphere whether it's pianos scarby whatever mm-hmm. um so i'd say don't feel like you need to jump head over heels into all that straight away because that's not what I did. Um, And it's even, everything's changed even since I've been playing. So if we rewind back to the Aftermath tour, um, I was the only keyboardist on stage, so one keyboardist, and we pretty much had no tracks. I think we may have done two songs that were slowly starting to introduce tracks so we could sync it with the video and all that kind of stuff. Um, But back then I was having to cover everything, your pads, your pianos, all that live um, and the way I did it was I have had an S90 as a MIDI controller I went MIDI out MIDI into a Korg um, Triton where I used my Triton for my pad sounds mainly my pad sounds then MIDI through from that into my interface for my computer where I got all my pianos and everything and any additional um, pads and unique sounds mm-hmm. so on the aftermath tour I was using a combination of hardware software I always had the option to quickly throw up the volume on my Korg Trident to bring in a nice warm pad mm-hmm. at any stage if I had computer trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, and back then they didn't have solid state drives and things weren't as fast. And, right. um, but I made it work for me. And the other bit of advice would be always test everything out at home. Don't go doing software upgrades just because, oh, the new upgrade's out. <laughs> Time machine backup. If you want to do an um, upgrade, make sure you have Time Machine backed up so you can go back to your old version. I've had multiple times where I've done upgrades too quickly. One piece of software hasn't been um, updated by the third-party piece of software and it'll crash my whole of mainstage just because this one little bit of software from some company yep. wasn't ready in time. So you always got a Time Machine backup, test out at home, and play it safe. Um, church isn't the place where we... <laughs> try things out and <laughs> kind of go, oh, let's see if this works. Um, yeah, especially in my situation where we're streaming everything 
around the world, I have to be doubly cautious about how solid my keys rig is before I'll, right. you know, do it in church. But yeah, go slow. Be, um, watch YouTube videos, blog videos. There's so much information these days on everything that you can get pretty much for free, which yeah. is great. Back when I was trying to figure it all out, I was just emailing random people going, ah, oh, who uses a Mac on stage? Okay. Sting's keyboardist does. Does he, does he use a PC or a Mac? Okay. He uses a Mac. He uses two Macs. Okay. He's got a redundant one because <laughs> if one crashes, then he can go to the other. Like I had to try to work it all out without the kind of information technology that's around these days. So right. it's great for keyboardists these days. They can literally just go how to set up main stage, enter and get all the YouTube videos they want on how everything works. Oh, how does buffer settings work? Within five minutes, you can instantly know it. Um, it's more about knowing how to find information these days and knowing information. You don't need to do all these big degrees and these big university lectures on how to do it all. You can, as long as you know where to look, you can teach yourself. So, right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Pete, man, thanks so much for, for joining us today. Um, it's it's no been worries. great kind of talking to you and I look forward to all the, the, the days ahead and we look forward to having you back and, and, and chatting sure. with you in the future. So, uh, guys, if you want to, you can always check out multitracks.com. That's where um, uh, Pete's got all of his patches and he's got tons of, of bundles there. And you just you just released a brand new bundle right now for, for Mainstage, right? Yeah, yeah. So it took me probably three months because I wanted to do it really crazily. Um, I sampled, it's called the Ultimate Analog Collection 2. I sampled all the sounds that I used on the Dave Smith OB6 um, keyboard. So I actually used that keyboard on every song on the Hillsong Let There Be Light album. So I'm like, okay, I need to sample this keyboard. Um, I even sampled the Moog Sub 37 uh, sub bass that we used on the album as well and included that in the pack. I sampled it through the Big Sky. I sampled it through my Mogafoga overdrive pedal. Um, sampled it through my Lion 6 just to give... Uh, bunch of different um, versions of everything so yeah i've made that available on multi-tracks if anyone wants to check it out that's awesome yeah guys if uh if you're looking for patches and things like that definitely check out uh multitracks.com one of the actually pete one of the ones that i i recommend to a lot of people a lot of a lot of keyboard players when they're talking about um pianos they they're they're wanting mm -hmm. to get into the soft synth piano thing I always tell them, man, go. Uh, all you got to do is just have main stage, download, uh, what is it, piano and 162, and go get Pete's. Uh, yeah, that's a free, free yeah. piano you can get. Yeah. 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 I said, you know, that's, and it's decent quality, and you can get mm -hmm. uh, Pete's uh, mellow pianos off of uh, multitracks, and you've got, you've got a, good, a good start there. So. Yeah, totally. That's a great option for those who don't want to spend money on software. So. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely better than the inbuilt main stage pianos, that free um, mm -hmm. piano that comes with that. So. That's probably one of the nice things about all of this is it's very scalable. From from yeah. beginners, you know, you can just come straight out the box with main stage and use that. Mm -hmm. You can kind of take the next step up to some of this free stuff like uh, the piano in 162 and then kind of totally. the sky's the limit after that. You know, mm -hmm. so. you can spend way too much if you can get carried away. So. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> So, well, all right, guys, uh, definitely check out multitracks.com. And, uh, Pete, it's been great having you here. It's been great. Thank you. Man, Jason, I think I got the W on the, uh, on the accent thing because my microphone sounds better. <laughs>
That is true. That is true. His was a little hot. His was a little hot. Yeah. He kind of, I feel like maybe he handicapped himself because he didn't want to show you up. That's possible. And I mean, his tones otherwise are definitely way better than mine. He has me beat. He's got 88 keys and a sustain pedal. How can you beat <laughs> that? I mean, I've just got one, you know, one string, one note, bass guitar, four, I mean, four strings, actually. I do have four strings. But I play, I'm playing one note at a time. He's got like 10 fingers and a sustain pedal and 88 keys. He's got me beat in every other department. He's got computers. He's got layers oh. and layers of all kinds of things. That's oh, awesome. Man, on a serious note, um, you know, just to see how how this the Hillsong thing has been so sustainable and so amazing uh, over the years and how they've managed to to maintain, you know, their place in in the in the world of worship. You know, a lot of a lot of different movements kind of do they kind of peak and then they disappear and usually it, there's a whole lot of weirdness that goes with it. But just to see Hillsong, um I was there with my family in 96 we sang at Hillsong uh, festival and to just see from early shout to the lord days and the foundation that they've built uh, not only you know with the music that they've created but also the f- spiritual foundations is just amazing to see well i like too how they continue to push like i think there's there's kind of a there's a tendency when you've got a winning formula to then stick with that winning formula all the time and you know especially lyrically you know the more that that worship songs come out the more that you know, we've been writing worship songs for, I mean, we've been writing them for hundreds of years, thousands probably. Right. Mm-hmm. So somebody's going to email me and be like, you idiot. It's been 2000 years. <laughs> um, like, okay, sure. I'm not a historian, but uh, you know, when somebody, when somebody has had that success, it's really easy to continue to just, to just sit there with, to not take any chances. And I think lyrically that they've really done a good job of continuing to expand, you know, words don't have the same power that they, that they had before. You know, mm-hmm. when you say, when you say God is amazing, the first time somebody put that in a song, it was like amazing love. Oh gosh. Like, thank you. This is great. Or amazing grace. You know, mm-hmm. that word amazing is so powerful. Well, now we've heard that a million times. Everything is hyperbole. You know, it's like this hamburger is amazing. Well, now we're mm-hmm. describing God and the hamburger the same way. And it doesn't have the same impact. And so the way that they continue to expand the picture, like creating those mental pictures and metaphors, I think are, you know, some people probably don't love it. I think it's rad though. I think it's, that's yeah. kind of where worship need, music needs to go. Cause we can't just keep saying, God, your love is amazing. I mean, we can, and God's going to love it, but for, but it's, I think the meanings have been diluted over time. Yeah. And it's cool to see those, those boundaries get pushed up. I was just thinking, like you're seeing all these these massive force of nature words in songs now, like like a tidal wave, and we're like, it's a, there's a vortex coming, <laughs> or like it's a black hole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's all these different, there's really powerful imagery, but it's it's really cool to see, actually, really cool. Yeah, the uh, we actually did. I feel like this last record has been has been really good. I mean, obviously every year, you know, we get to see a ton of stuff come across our desk and we don't always do. I mean, what have we done Four. I think we've done four songs off the new record for worship artistry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they've all been, I mean, I can't like, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you're not just finding the one song. Yeah. We're done for a little while though. We're, we're, we're sticking with, we have other songs to do. We are, <laughs> we're coming up on Easter. We want to give you a lot of stuff for that. So if you are planning for Easter, check out worshipartistry.com and you can actually learn a bunch of Easter songs. But Very in cool. the meantime, it's just, uh, I've been, I actually been really impressed with the, with the songs that have been on this record. It's kind of, mm-hmm. it's got some power to it. 
Yeah, it's amazing also to see how they they really encourage uh, the next generation of people coming through at you know Hillsong as well. And it's it's like for your own worship team and for your own church, if we can always keep that attitude of letting letting you know young writers and young musicians and people that are that are from the youth group or that are excited and have zeal to do it allowing them to come up through the ranks so that you can continue to keep everything growing and fresh and you're mentoring people and there's it's, it doesn't become stagnant i think it's it's a model for us all to learn from yeah absolutely well if you want to find out more about what those guys are talking about as far as the gear stuff goes uh, you can head over to worshipartistry.com slash resources or if you're a member you can just grab it right off of your dashboard it's there and you can check out uh, all the gear that ryan has recommended uh, for all different levels of players and different budgets and everything else. So you can check that out there. Otherwise, come and hang out with us. We're over there at facebook.com slash worship artistry. We do a ton of chatting over there. And uh, man, I keep, I keep kind of teasing this, but we have all these really cool things that are just going to be kind of filling out. Um, finally, let me add this. We are developing a worship artistry app. We're really excited about it. It's going to be sick, but we're taking your input. So if you're a member or even if you're not a member, We'll put a link to a little survey. It's a little five-question survey just to kind of help us understand how you use Worship Artistry. If you want to do that, please do because it'll help us with the development. And uh, that's pretty much it. Review us on iTunes. Say nice things. It helps us. And it's truth. Yes, only speak truth. Don't <laughs> don't speak lies. Unless they're right. very good. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Well, anyway, we'll see you guys next week. See ya.